Good evening. It's uh, 8 o'clock in Yerushalayim. This is Chaim Bravender. And last week, we celebrated Purim. And the thing that comes to mind when Purim ebbs, when you are no longer sort of involved in the height of the Purim activities, the only thing there is to think about is Pesach. One month later, is Pesach. So what we're doing tonight is we're kind of opening the door to Pesach. There are a lot of sheyurim given on the web yeshiva, and we hope that everybody will have an opportunity to attend. I was asked to give an opening shir. I mean, I, I've given so many sheyurim on Pesach that I don't really remember what it is that I've said already and what it is that has to be said. So I'll do my best. I'll do my best. You know that the main mitzvah on Pesach, the main mitzvah meaning doing, the mitzvah that you have to do, is called Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim, which means we have to tell the story. Now, telling the story, that sounds like a simple thing. You just tell the same story you told last year. You just read what it says in the Haggadah. It's kind of an easy one. Sometimes the telling the story, reading the Haggadah, is a little bit uh, trying, takes a little bit more time than we thought it would. But basically, it's there. It's right there in front of you, and it should be the easiest thing in the world. And yet, if you consider the fact that hundreds of Haggadot have been published by great Torah scholars, and also by scholars that were not so great, but it's so easy to have an opinion about how to tell the story of Pesach that so many books have been written telling that story. And that's really a remarkable thing. So we're going to first, what we're going to do tonight is take a look at the Haggadah and see if there's some overriding principle that has to be included in the Sipu Yitziat Mitzrayim and the telling the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim, which is not obvious, kind of hidden away, but it's there. And what I would like to focus upon, I mean, is the question of why why it's called a Seder. Why it's called a Seder. Seder means order. Order is a good thing, but order itself is not a story. Order is a nice thing. It helps you to remember. It has psychological, psychologically convenient. But why is it called a Seder? So now in the time of the Rishonim, in the time of the Rishonim, I don't know exactly, we'll say the 13th century. 13th century, was there was an add-on to the Seder which was already fixed. When he fixed the Rambam himself, published the Haggadah in his great work on Halacha, 
the Rambam, the Rambam did that, but there was an add-on in the 13th century by one of the Baalei Atosafot. And that add-on is sort of a table of contents. Table of contents. Kadesh, Urchatz, Karpas, Yachatz. Now, what is that? What is that table of contents? I mean, I know that most books that I've looked at or read or learned or tried, you know, they might have a table of contents. I don't pay much attention to it unless I want to skip. I mean, the table of contents is not really such an essential part of a literary work. Most novels telling a story don't have a table of contents unless they're Russian novels. But what is this? Not only I ask you, what is this, but it's given this uh, uh, list, this list of how we're supposed to run the Seder is blessed, first of all, by melodies. Everybody sings, even Litvaks, that generally are opposed to singing anything and expressing joy. Uh, even Litvaks sing Kadei Shurchatz, Kadei Shurchatz, Kapas Yachatz. So it's not only words, it's also music. Words and music. Also, every popular Haggadah, every popular Haggadah, Haggadah that is made in order for me to be able to do what I have to do on that night of of Pesach, it has this introduction, this Seder, this Seder, and it goes, uh, this idea is about the importance of the Seder. The Buddha said, it goes, I'm looking at a Haggadah called Haggadah Drashi. It's Haggadah you could buy in a bookstore, at any bookstore. And it has uh, all the Rashi statements that relate to psukim or material in the Haggadah, and I find it very useful. In that Haggadah, the person who wrote the Haggadah or put it together, his name was Rav Ben Shein, a well-known contributor to the Encyclopedia Talmudit, and he, you know, one of those people who knew everything that he knew Baal Peh. So he was able to con- to create this Sidur Rashi, which uses all of the sources of Rashi that we know of. Not only Rashi are the Chumash, but all the sources of Rashi that we know of. And in that Sidur, he makes a comment about this table of contents, Kadesh Urchatz, Karpas, Yachatz, etc. Makes a comment. And his comment is this. It says, not only do you have to read the table of contents at the beginning, before the Seder starts, and if you sing it, you sing it, and if you declaim it, you declaim it, but you have to understand that it somehow integrates itself into the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim, of the Exodus from Egypt. It integrates itself into that. And so, even though you've said 
you've sung it or you've danced it or you've done whatever it is you do. When you get up to making Kiddush, that's the beginning, the first thing you do at the Seder, according to the table of Kaddish, is Kaddish. So when you're about to say Kiddush, you have to remind yourself, you have to say Kaddish. And when it comes time after the Kiddush to wash your hands, right, you have to say Urchatz. Again, you have to say, that's how important it is, according to this Haggadah that I'm looking at. Right? A quote from a, a medieval Muslim book, Yisod B'Shorosh Avodah, which uh, describes how important this uh, this list, this table of contents is. It's so important that it's not enough to say it all, but you have to Whenever you get up to a particular point in the Seder that's covered by these table of contents, you have to say it. So when you make Kiddush, you have to say Kadesh. And when you tell the story of Yitzhiyad Mitzrayim, you have to say Magid. That's what, because that's what it's called in this list, Magid. When you get up to eating the matzah, you have to say Motzi Matzah. That's what you have to say. And so it's a kind of a mystery. It's a mystery. Why why they put it in? I mean, the Tanaim didn't have it. The Amoraim didn't have it. The Rambam didn't have it. Like I say, the 13th century. 13th century, it was, it was composed and affected by great scholars, by people who, who cannot be faulted in their knowledge of Torah. But we can still ask ourselves, what was so important? What was it that they were trying to tell us? And is that also, I mean, according to Yisod B'Shorosh according to, that's also somehow part of Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim. It's not enough to go through the, uh, the Haggadah on the night that we do the Seder. Or the two nights that you do the Seder. It's not enough, not enough to do the, the Haggadah. You have to emphasize the fact that there's order, that it's meaningful. If you look at the story or at the Haggadah, you see that one thing goes into another, the second to the third, the third to the fourth, etc. You see that even though it might have occurred to you that the Seder itself is a, lo- a loose collection of obligations, first do this, then do that, first drink the wine, make the Kiddush, wash your hands, eat the karpas, but it really, it really reflects order, that there's an order to the story. There's an order to the story. Now, we know that there is one other event in which order was apparently of great importance, even though we don't necessarily understand what the meaning of the order is, and that is, of course, the creation of the world. When when Hashem set out to tell us, to give us information, 
about the creation of the world, out of no obligation, God could have said, and the world was created. And that was it. I mean, in any event, what do we know about the creation? Of, what, what could we possibly do that imitates the creation of the world? It's not like, like I could say, this is what God did. Now, there's a mitzvah to commemorate the creation of the world. Whatever we say, Kiddush, say, I want to remember the way God created the world. So, what does that mean? I don't know anything about how God creates the world. No one has ever suggested to me that that's what I should be learning. So I don't know anything about God creating the world. And yet, in the Chumash, there is a Seder. Something created on day one, then day two, then day three. So I, I find that interesting. I don't think it's interesting that there's an ultimate Seder, and then there's a limited kind of Seder. The ultimate Seder is about the creation of the world and says that when God does something, it's important to leave you, us, right, with this way of remembering it. Because we can't remember, we don't know how God created the world. That's sort of beyond our ken. But we can say that the world was created on days. Days were created for creation. And day one, one thing was created, day two, another thing was created, and therefore we can talk about it. We can talk about creation. We can talk about creation. And so I think it's reasonable to say, reasonable to say that if I just get the outline, the day one, the day two, the day three of Yitziat Mitzrayim, if I just get that, then I will be able then I will be able to tell the story because I can tell the story of why Kadesh Kadesh comes first and why Magid comes in the middle and why Birkat Amazon comes in. I can tell that story just as I can tell the story of the creation. I can say, on the first day, it was a creation of light. I can say that. Because even though I don't know how to create the light, I know, or I feel I know, something about light. And I know that when there's light, there's no darkness. And that's important to remember. So I, I know how to talk about the creation in spite of the fact that I don't really understand it. And so I know how to talk about Yitziat Mitzrayim, even though I don't really understand how God does what God does. It's not for me. It's not for me to understand. It's not for me to try to investigate. It's not for us to know that. So when you tell the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim, of the exodus of the Jewish people from Mitzrayim, when you tell that story, you have to tell it in its context, in the connections and why it is that Kadesh is the first thing we do in the in the on the night of, of Pesach. Why is that the first thing that we do?
the story of the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim. We'll go to Magid. I have to tell the story. Now the story is uh, is related to us in the Mishnah. I mean, the Mishnah sort of tells us already. I mean, the time of of Chazal, what it is that we're supposed to say, what it is we're supposed to be doing. So the the story of uh, the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim is told in in a variety of ways, but one of these ways is that the that we say Avadim Hayinu leparo We were slaves and slaves to Paro Mitzrayim, right? And a few extra things, and then we say Mitchila At first, our forefathers were idolaters. So when the the first time we we answer the question, what are we doing here? What are we telling the story? So the answer to the question is Abadema Yidul the answer question me Abadema Yidul the power of Mishraim. We we were slaves. The second time we answer the question, we say, In the beginning, our forefathers were idolaters. Were idolaters. So, the Haggadah tells us, the Haggadah tells us that one of the real issues with telling the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim is the understanding of where the story starts. And the story, according to the Haggadah, does not start from the creation of the world. It does not start from Avraham and Yitzchak. It might start from Yaakov. But it doesn't start from Avraham and Yitzchak because we're talking about the creation of the nation, of the nation called the Jewish nation. That creation, that creation is something that had a beginning. And the Haggadah wants me to answer that question. When is the beginning of the story? And the Haggadah gives us two choices. Two choices. That's the beginning. We were slaves in Mitzrayim. Or mitchila of the Avodah you have to say no that at first we were idolaters. So the Haggadah, the Haggadah is not clear. You might say, now if it was a more halachic text, you'd say Haggadah is not clear. But maybe the Haggadah is clear. Maybe the Haggadah is clear that some things don't have a clearly defined beginning. And one of the things that doesn't have a clearly defined beginning, that does not have a clearly defined beginning, is the story of B'nai Yisrael leaving Mitzrayim, led by Moshe Rabbeinu, under the general auspices of HaKadosh Baruch. It doesn't have a beginning. Because if, if Yetziat Mitzrayim was a game changer, 
It was something that produced the people who were worthy of receiving the Torah. It produced the people who were able, who were able to carry out a mission designed by a Kodesh Baruch Right? They were, then, then we don't know when it was that it began. Or alternatively, we know that it began in two different times. We had to become Avadim Hayinu. We had to be Avadim in order to be who we really are. We had to understand what slavery meant, what devotion meant, because that was the only way that we could focus on devotion to God, which enabled us to get out of Mitzrayim. Also, along the way, we had to change the way the world understood God. That God was understood by the world as being one of many. The many, many gods were God. We had to kind of relieve ourselves of that idea, which we tried to do and almost accomplished doing, but in the parasha, last week's parasha of Kitisa, we saw that, you know, they made the golden calf. I mean, what does that mean? They made the golden calf. What was it? I'm not interested in the halacha question of whether they were idolaters or not, but when they built that golden calf, what were they saying? They were saying, if God has abandoned us, right? Moshe Rabbeinu didn't return. He was late. They weren't, they were suspicious that something had happened to him. Moshe Rabbeinu. And so they said, let's build a, a golden calf. What's that golden calf going to do for them? He says, well, who knows? We'll give it a try. We gave God a try and he disappointed us. So we'll give the golden calf a try. In, in, in other words, that was the world. That was the world that B'nai Yisrael was striving to get out of. Mitchila of De'avodesora. Ayu avoteinu, v'achshav ker'anu amakom l'avodato. And now, when I tell the story, it's over. This point has been made. People understand that the Jews are a nation that believes in one unique God. And that belief in one unique God is the story. Of Yitziat Mitzrayim. So there are two stories. There's a story of heaven and there's a story of earth. The story of heaven is Mitchila of the Avodazar We are, we are the ones, we are the ones who, who overcame this notion that there's a God on every corner, that every people, every nation, every group has its own gods. And we said no. We could be in a desert. We could be in a in a in a civilized, unified place. It doesn't matter. There's only one God. There's only one God. That's what what Yitzhak Mitzrayim somehow did. But that's the heavenly story. The story between man and God. What's where is God and what is God? I mean, that's a story. That is a story. But there's another story. We have to remember 
we have to remember that the story is the story is that in order to achieve what we are supposed to achieve we have to disavow slavery perhaps i know that the torah talks about slavery at the beginning of the parsha i know all of that we we're not going to go into it now but that's what the Agada says to me Agada says and God took us out, out not only out of Mitzrayim but out of slavery out of slavery and having had that experience I think it worked on us either genetically or you know some other way where where we abhor the notion Jews abhor the notion of slavery of having slaves and even though at first it was mutar it became rapidly asur because we remembered we remember that and we didn't want to inflict anybody else with that standard and if we have that problem today, to a certain extent, we have that problem today. Because we're not sure, we're, or we find it difficult to make sure that everybody who lives with us has the, the necessary, is, is given the necessary opportunity to live in a decent way assuming that slavery is not included it's not one of the ways that the Torah wants us to live yes there was a time when we were we kind of promoted a sort of a kind of slavery even though there were many differences nevertheless it gave us this feeling that there is, there are uh, uh, things that that everybody deserves to have. Everybody deserves to have. So we see that the telling of the story, telling of the story also includes its own order. There's the, the big order, and then there's the minor order. The big order is what we sing, Kadesh, Ruchat, But then there's a minor order in all the pieces of Magid, in all the pieces of saying something, saying something about what happened. It's not for historical records that I have to make this devotion. That I have to tell the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And it's not for that reason that I have to prepare or look into it, but it is rather, it is rather because it's not a story that I'm telling. It's not even the story that I'm telling. But more than anything else, it's my story the way I understand it, because by imparting to others the way I understand the story, I've told the story. 
in the best possible way. So we see that there is this idea of the big order, and then there's the little order, and they are both related to telling the story. Right? You have to tell the story emphasizing order, order in the way the story is told, or order in how we perform on the night of the Seder. All of that is part of the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim that we are, uh, we necessarily have to, have to tell. Tov, I wish you all well. Keep looking into it. And uh, maybe we'll see you again before Pesach. All the best.